Today, if you will go with me into the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse number 14. We're going to stay pretty close to home in Exodus, chapter 3 today. And we're going to kind of move around in there. We want to just begin to take apart some of the verses of Scripture there. I'm not bringing to you something today that is going to be, oh, wow, woo, and all of that. But it's going to be something I trust will challenge you, challenge me as to... Where do I go from here? The Word of God has been directed to you in my message titled, God Wants Us to Know Who He Is. My dad used to look at me and say, son, tell me what you know. It'll only take a minute. And I hope that it's a little better for you. Tell me what you know, what Pastor Steve and Joe have preached to you over the last few Sundays of who you are. I hope it'll take longer than a minute. I would hope that I'd have to shut you up. You would just keep going on and on and on. Or is it very limited? Pastor Steve and I, as we were talking, he said this will fit into wrapping that up, bringing to conclusion that old discourse of everything that, uh, who we are. And you are somebody. And there's no doubt about it as a believer. And if you question that, of course, Pastor Joe, he put the mirrors before us so that we could look at ourselves, but there comes a place once you and I have come, and let's look verse number 14 of this text, and the Word of God says, and God said to Moses, I am who I am, and he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now keep that in the forefront of your mind as we move on, because we're going to go back into verses 10 and 11. Of this same chapter, you're going to discover, and sometimes uh, I remember hearing Christians say it quite like this, and we shouldn't say it, but we'll say ignorance is bliss. The less I know, the less I'm responsible for. Well, see, when you sit under good teaching and good preaching, there comes a point where you're going to take on certain things, and it's going to equip you and make you and develop you to a point where I want us to see and realize in verse number 10, Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I understand that he calls us up and sends us out once you and I have been told and worked on and developed and used to understand this is who I am. God will not let those things in your life lay dormant. He will stir you up, he will call you out, and he will move within your life. And I want us to see the natural order of things, because when we get to verse number 11, the word says that Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? We realize this, that at the call that he gives us, I don't know about you, I may be the only person in the house that this happens to. I mean, I can sit here and hear all of this teaching and preaching. I'm by the word of God tells me who I am. But it's when God brings me to that place and he begins to call me, Rodney, this is for you. I step back like Moses, and say, who am I? Now, wait a minute, you've just been taught all of this stuff. What's your problem here, buddy? It's a normal reaction 
for uh, maybe it's just me, but I, I'm not going to get a show of hands. But there is that part of us that when God brings that in our direction, we will step back and say, who me? Who am I? Lord, why would you tap me on the shoulder? Why would you choose to raise me up? Why would you choose to take me into a place, a new frontier? Because God, he can. We realize as in that calling that comes, we question who I am. In Luke 4, 1 through 13, there are two things that is going on in every one of our lives. There will come times in your life when God calls you and you will stand back and you'll say, God, who am I? Then there are times in relationship to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, the enemy of our soul, good old Satan, will show up and he will then, after you've been told everything that you are, his normal desire is for you to prove you are what you are. Now, I want you to get a clue on this because Jesus didn't prove that old boy anything. He told him, get behind me. See, there are times within your experience and as you journey along, you may not get it coming to you and coming at you from this direction that says, I'm calling you, and you say, who am I? There is also the enemy that's going to, it's a two-edged sword, it's two-sided here. He will come at you and he'll begin to attack you and say, come on, prove what you got. Muscle up, be the man. And God says, did I equip you for that? No. And Jesus didn't, he gave not one inch. He did not respond to his demands to turn the stones into bread and all the different things. He did not react to it. And the point that I'm making, sometimes within the fellowship of the church, sometimes within our own fellowship of family, there's a part of us, there's a drawing within us that says, I need to prove myself. No, you do. You let God exalt you. And I want to drive that point home because if, if there's two things that are going to happen, if you, with as a believer, do not get beyond that threshold of who am I when God calls you, or if you don't get beyond the threshold of when the enemy comes at you and says, you need to prove yourself. I have no one to prove myself to but God. Either one of those, that first one, will bring you to a stop. You will not go any further. The second one, if you respond to his tactics, it will ruin your journey with God. Everything will be lost. I stand here today and I say, Father, I am so glad Jesus did not react, but he stayed the course with the will of God. So how can we move forward? How do we move forward when we are at that place within our lives? Where God is calling us and we're saying, come on. Where the enemy is saying, come on, quit hiding behind that tree, step up, be the man you are, and prove yourself. How do we handle that? Well, in Christ's case, in our case of the proving, you and I as believers need to be ready to let the Word of God do the talking for us. That's what Jesus did. And he took the word of God and gave it out, gave it out, gave it out. And the enemy could no longer combat it because the truth is the truth. The other area, when God calls you, 
he is convinced and totally sold out on his choice. He does not say, well, if you don't, you know, I look, if you look over your shoulder, I got somebody else waiting. In the whole scheme of things, there stands Moses, and God says, you're my man. And you and I, as individuals, God knew what he was getting. God knew exactly what he was up to. He knew what his past was. But God said, I still want you. And God knew what Moses' future was with all of whatever it may be, getting mad and breaking the Ten Commandments and calling God on the carpet and said, you know, God, this isn't good. These nations are going to talk about you. God knew all of that. He says, but you're my man. I've come by today to nothing else with all the stuff you've been taught. If God is putting a call upon your life, I'm not saying you have to move to Timbuktu, but he's calling you to a new dimension, a new level in him. The point I'm making is this. He sees you as the one he is calling. He's, I hate to use this phrase. God's not stupid. God is a God that knows what he's doing. I know. I get, you ever hear that old phrase, what did he or she ever see in him? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my God. Is that all the better she could do? Or, man, where did he find her? Sometimes we feel the same way. God, what are you doing here? God says, you're my first. Hallelujah. And you're my only choice. I got plans for you. I got it all worked out. Come on, Moses, get with the program. But who am I? It isn't a matter of who you are, buddy. I've already equipped you to let you learn who you are. But now I'm going to take what that is and mesh it together and weave it together. And I'm going to make you probably one of the mightiest men that the Bible ever records. You and I as individuals need to come to that place within our lives and within our journey begin to say, if God's calling me, for God's sake, for his sake, take him at his word and say, okay, I'll buy into it. Why does God have to twist our arm? I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. Why is it that he's got to coax us and beg us and plead with us all? Come on. God says, you're the one. Let's go. I'm going to use you for my glory and for my honor. He knows who you are. Chapter 3, verse number 7. But this is God's answer to Moses as to who God is. And he tells him this, and really this should be enough for us. I got kind of tickled. I said, this guy's catching in on where I'm going to close this thing out talking about waiting. The thing about it is within this text, and I'll try to be quick, God's answer was this, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. One translation says, I know their pain. I want us to understand something, and one of the things about God that should push us out from where we are and to move forward in the direction he's calling us is to understand that we serve a God who can see, who hears, and he knows. There are times, maybe even this week, you have questioned that. 
God, have you heard me at all this week? God, do you see what's going on down here? The fact of the matter is, I do serve one who feels my pain. He has seen and he knows. The God that knows. It isn't that, you know, he, it isn't like, you know, somebody can tell us stuff. And it's kind of like the woman who went to the chaplain that her husband had died in, in some kind of conflict. And she got sitting on this side of the desk and the chaplain made the very crucial mistake looking the woman in the eye and said, I know what you're going through. Well, I brought her up off the chair about that far and looked the man in the eye and said, don't you ever again look at me and tell me that you know what I'm going through because you have no idea. I'm very hesitant to say, I know what you're going through. I see people in this church that are really struggling, people that are hurting physically, spiritually, emotionally, and I'm not going to be dumb enough to walk up to them and say, oh, I know what you're going through. But I pray for them. What did I say about patience? You need to understand does anybody know the answer to this when I ask it? How many years had God been seen, hearing, and knowing before he did something longer than you're going to live? 435 years. 435 years and finally God does something. Wow. Don't, now, you're looking at me and say, well, give us, give us some answers here. I don't have no answers. That's God's business. One of the things that amazes me how God can just hold on and just wait. And, but he has an appointed time. That one thing I do know, God has a time set aside for each and every one of us that we move into a new dimension in him. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. But God says, I got it all under control. I'm seeing, I'm knowing, I am hearing this, and I'm not taken by surprise. And for 435 years, he had heard it. So I would certainly hope today that that doesn't make you want to look for an exit door with God. Because God will eventually hear you. And God will eventually answer. One of the things that you use the phrase 2016, we live in an hour and a day when patience is not a virtue. If you don't believe me, may I just lay the challenge before you. Get on 222 and drive 55 miles an hour in the slow lane. And you will discover in a very short period of time how impatient this world is. I was setting up at Sam's, oh, it's been some time back at their Sam's the store. And, you know, I was getting ready to get out there and get on uh, 61, going down into um, Reading. And there's this person behind me. But there was just enough room. I was being careful. And the traffic was just coming down through there. Watch, 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 watch. And uh, I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, that person in that car made up their mind, you've taken too long. She whipped that thing out, pulled it up beside me, gave me that dirty look. You know, that's always got to happen. And she just hammered it. And let me just say this to you. She wasn't a 19-year-old kid. That woman was getting close to 70 years old. I said, go, Grandma, go. Go, Grandma, go. We live in such a crazy, impatient world. I'm always amazed when we come to church and we say, let's just sit quietly before God. 
to sit 15 minutes quietly in the presence of the Lord is enough to kill you. We're not tempered into that. But God is saying, allow me to work this out. But the point I'm making is this. I've come by today to just let you know that God's still seeing, knowing, and caring for whatever you're going through. I'm not going to promise you that this, that, or the other thing, but what I do know is this, that we serve a God who is faithful. I was sitting in my recliner yesterday, and the word came to me, faithful is he who has called you. He'll also do it. I love that old song, and it's an old one from the Imperials. He didn't bring me this far to leave me. And he didn't build his home in me to move away. He didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. This is the God that I serve. And he is there for every one of us today in this life that we live. You may be here today, and he's called you, and you're at a place where you're saying, who am I? And I have only word to tell you this. Stay in communion with the one who calls, because he will direct your path. Praise the Lord.